Welcome back to We Are Utah Podcast, where we bring you weekly episodes of the best in the Beehive State. Simply put, this is where we live, and this is where you stay connected. Stay connected. Because together, we are Utah. Utah. And now your hosts, Jordan Wheeler and Braden Floyd. That's not you. Dude, that's not me. That's not you. I wish I sounded that you cool. You sound just like that guy. <laughs> and now you're house. <laughs> well, what's up, dude? What's up? How are you, man? I'm tired, but I'm good. I know, Every, dude. No episode last week. We were we were both getting our butt kicked, finishing up some stuff, some projects, man. Yeah. I uh, went to Oregon to check out a house for Airbnb. I brought all my podcast stuff and... Well, two mics, so me and my wife could do one, and just completely forgot. Totally forgot. I had my kids. I was looking at houses, and I know didn't you even. Drove, what is that? Thirteen hours with your kids, man. That was probably yeah. a whooping. Well, we did five-hour trips, so we did five hours to Would you like end up Napa, in Idaho, or Napa. Yeah, her brother's there, my yes. wife's brother, and then we drive drove to sisters, which her cousin's there, and he has like a whole separate unit we stay in, nice, which is nice, and then like another five. My kids don't last. Once like four hours hit, it's pretty rough for them. So yeah, they don't just pass out. You think they just pass out sometimes? What do you give them iPads when you're driving or something? We have a we have a minivan with a TVs in the screen DVD. Oh, so oh. that that if we didn't have that, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> oh dude, that's funny. So. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna go Airbnb on this one because that's, that's the most happened. relevant thing in my life, and yeah, I actually would love to help other people understand it. I think it's, I guess, not newer, but like a lot of people are getting into it right now, and I've made some really good connections um, that have allowed me to do it because. Like, let's yeah. say in December, I, I don't even think I would have had the knowledge to to do this. So Yeah, so we should definitely touch base on that today. And then new listeners or people listening that you know folks that want to get into Airbnb, like now's the perfect opportunity to follow Jordan's story because he is on location one right here. Yeah. So this, yeah. most and people I talk to have like seven units or ten units, and it's like you want to talk to them about their first one, and they want to talk about yesterday's deal. Like, yeah. This is well, perfect. and I've already had a lot of coaches. I don't know if it's because I'm Googling Airbnb or what, but, like, coaches reaching out, like, hey, do you need help and trying to sell me their coaching on how to run your Airbnb? Yeah. So it's it's essentially like running a business. Yeah. Oh, it's the same thing. Um, yeah. You have to basically make sure that things clean and stocked and booked. Yeah. Clean, stocked, and booked. That's the story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> right here, dude. So I'll go back to, like, when I very I, – I was literally just doing real estate, and on Facebook – um, and an ad popped up for an investment class, like how to buy your first investment. So it was yeah. a week-long class. I signed up for it. We went to the class every morning at 9 for about two hours. And this couple that was doing the class, he's a lender, um, but they had bought their first property when they're like 22 years old. So they got married young, bought a property. They had to get a loan through their grandpa, which he said basically they had to you know, sign in blood and that's how they got their start. Nice. And ever since then, um, they've just been buying. They really started with rental properties. And then once short-term rentals, the Airbnb and VRBO, they, they started getting into that. So yeah. so you're not, you're not borrowing from Grandpa and signing in blood. So how, so how did they teach you to go about it? No. So the whole class, the, the very first step really is finding a property. 
right? Like, does it give you and like, have you got a pretty good parameter now on what to look for and like, how, yeah, just how to figure out a de- what a deal is? Yeah, because y- you can go on and and look for properties, but you need to run numbers. There's a website that we use to run numbers specifically for short-term rentals, Airbnbs. Is that a hidden website, or can you give us that? Name? No, it's. Uh, yeah, reach out to me if you want that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Because yeah. there's a lot of information in it. Like, it took a full day for them to explain the site. So you can get on there and look around, but it, it's easier to have someone kind of walk you through. So anyways, he gives you a formula. He he created this own formula himself. He calls it the GB ratio, which is a good deal, bad deal ratio. Um, and I have all the numbers in, in a spreadsheet. If you want, I can send you the spreadsheet. And so basically I would just get on like Redfin or Zillow, um, because I don't have MLS access to other states. I love Redfin. I feel like Redfin is much more ideal than Zillow. But yeah, I, I I use Redfin over, I even tell my clients to use Redfin and just send me the properties that way. Cause it's, have you seen that meme that's going around? That's like. I wish Zillow would add comments or a comment section so that people could <laughs> so people could get on there and comment and say how ridiculous it is to ask $400,000 for a box. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zillow went bankrupt. And so their the Zestimate now is pretty accurate. Like most investors you talk to, they're like, if you can get a house for the Zestimate, now is a good time. But hmm. it used to be like twenty, thirty, forty thousand way above yeah, it was say outrageous the actual right? value. Anyways, so, so you're plugging them into Redfin into your formula. Yeah, so I I would yeah that's how I looked is Redfin for yeah. deals. And so then, what is like well, give us a rough like go around of the formula. You're plugging in the cost of the house. The yeah, cost so of let me pull it up. Um, what's what are we talking here that you're going through? So because that's what I think most viewers, I'm gonna I think that's this, what most everyone that's, that might be listening unless they already are in the business is what they're scared of is like they don't have a clue how to tell what a good deal yeah. is like I'm going to send I'm going to share this thing. with you and then you might yeah. be able to get some questions get her with others you. sorry we're ill prepared today folks on what's our questions. your brain is social x k yep. I just emailed it to you so pull it up it. so basically the way that I do it is I get the the address the asking price or what what you're offering, what your down payment's going to be. Um, I funded it my down payment with a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. So then how you, hard was that to get? So like, what is that? Let's let's talk on that for a second. Like, what does that entail to get a HELOC? Yeah, like, that, do it's I just, do I have to have equity in my home, right? Or yeah, right. So you go in, yeah. They got to show the equity. So do you have to have a, do you have to get an appraisal to say that this is how much equity you have? Yeah. So we just bought our house in November, and and we just sent that over to the bank, and they used that appraisal. Gotcha. But. Um, Depending on what bank or where you're getting your HELOC through, they'll order their appraisal and do it for you. Mm. It just takes longer. So I was just trying to get it done faster. uh, Talking on the HELOC, like what are they averaging that they're allowing to loan out against your house? Like, is it like? So this is pretty good. I'm not going to mention the bank's name because I'm actually in the process of trying to switch my HELOC to do this house. So I don't know if it's going to work. So the the first HELOC that I got, and I asked my lender, and he said, "Oh, they're pretty much all the same." Well. They're not. Um, so the first HELOC was we qualified for 4.5% uh, interest rate. And then you can, whatever you have in equity, you can borrow 80% of. 
mm. with this one. 80%. Holy 80%. Best. So so most Both people, are, yeah, most people with the, the way the market's been the last couple of years have on average 80 grand in equity, yeah. if not more. And you have to have to buy a, a, a vacation home. How much does, does your down payment have to be? Or that how that also depends on the lender that you're using. Okay. So um, we'll talk a little bit about, because I didn't go the traditional route with lending. Okay. Um, all right, so we're all over the place, and let's jump back to yeah. the spreadsheet here. So, quick. so, so basically, the spreadsheet. These are the the things that I put in, um, and I can help you run through these numbers because I my spreadsheet basically you put one number in and it calculates everything else for nice. you. Okay. So the one, if you go to the bottom one, two eighty three Ridgeway yep. or twenty eight thirty one. Okay, there's the price. Our down payment and down payments. I've ran. It depends on the property what your down payment needs to be. Depending on your loan. So this one, okay. I mean, we'll, so, I don't know if you want me to say the numbers, but you ran pretty high on your down payment on that one. So this, this yeah. is the deal you're closing on. Yeah. So, so and, and the, the first one, so the first one, 716 Jackson Avenue, was a two-bed, one-bath, 600 square feet, right? We mm-hmm. thought, oh, it won't be that much to furnish. It'll be nice. It's We got it for a, a good price. Um and but this is the one you were basically closing on driving out there to yeah, look at. Yeah, this we were one. under contract. We said, okay, we better at least just go check it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we got there. I walked in, and the house was like tilting. Literally, felt like you were walking. Not like super bad, but like if you walked to through the kitchen you could tell it was, it was tilting and then i looked out the windows and you could like see the horizon <laughs> like the windows weren't lined up with the horizon at all yeah, i was gonna say that and one that one on your spreadsheet here was a considerably cheaper price so yes yeah i mean that that number anywhere on the west side of the united states right now i feel like is an insanely low number so yeah i could see why you jumped on it but then get over there and go well oh, and it was cool property because if you look at the pictures it has like a, a deck i'm like oh people can hang out on the deck yep. it almost had like a view of the bay where you could kind of in the distance see the bay and water yeah yeah um, it was on it was on its own little private street it wasn't like on a main busy street it had a fenced yard so there's it was attractive to yeah, us. Yeah, you can't see, like, I'm looking at the pictures now. You can't see that horizon tilt or pictures. And, like, no. So go it, so to. You until you got there. I get that. Go to the, the and I'll, I'll drop this in the, in the description if you guys want to see it. But go to the picture number nine. Okay. You walk in the door and there's a little step up. Yeah. And what I think has had happened is the floor rotted or something was wrong, and they built the floor up because when you went to look out the, the windows, the, the top of the window was, like, at your chin. Yeah. So to even look out the window, you had to bend down a little just to look out, and I was like... So with a little bit of knowledge that you've learned so far on getting Airbnbs and rental properties, like, how fast were you out of that location? Was that, like, done, I'm looked at it, I'm done? Or did you did you and Jamie go through the process of, like, what it would take to fix the foundation oh yeah i i i will i walk through all of it and so i kind of knew just because i'm a realtor too and i i was kind of testing our realtor to see what he would say mm-hmm. and i said so what do you think and honestly i think he would have sold us the house had we been okay with it yeah that's which a, scares me yeah, right that's and that's that's a whole nother thing is you need to find a good realtor in whatever state or wherever you're going, care about getting paid, but cares about yeah their reputation as well. Had 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 he went and looked at the house before we got there and was a good realtor, he would have just said, "Don't waste your time coming out. Yep. I wouldn't buy it, yep. right?" That or that's what I would have done. Yeah. Okay, but 
I still, I mean, we drove all the way out well, there. You're on the so. business of word of word of mouth, dude. Like most mm-hmm. realtors, yeah, there's tons of marketing, but word of mouth really for real. Well, and I found him on Google. Would have sold you a crappy one, and then you would have been like, "This guy sold me a shithole." Yeah. and I'm into it another hundred grand dealing with foundation problems. The ch- I don't think he was a bad realtor. I think I found him on Google, and he was top rated. And so I felt good about it. I talked to him. He worked out a referral fee, so I would have gotten paid on the deal too. So he, he was, but I, th- I think his thought process was we're out of state. And if we don't close on that one, then, you know, he's not going to have time to find us another house because yeah. we're out of state. So it's hard working out that of state. That makes sense. I get that. So, but he, I mean, he was talking about million dollar deals and I just think he, he had bigger stuff that it wasn't worth his time, yeah. which is understandable. So, so on this price on this breakdown, then let's go back to this. So you got you got price, down payment, HELOC amount, your mortgage payment amount, monthly payments, and then you've got monthly rent and expenses factored into this spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah it's so basically got everything. Like, what th- are these? This is all that I learned in the class. Okay, so let's let's just go through uh, seven sixteen Jackson Ave. Okay, gotcha, yep. so it was asking price one hundred eighty nine thousand on Redfin. I put in, a, in an offer for two oh five with an escalation clause um, to two fifteen. So basically, meaning we'd beat any offer up to two fifteen. Gotcha. We got it at two fifteen. I didn't think it would appraise for that. Blah 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 blah. Anyways, okay. So the down payment on this one with the lender that I'm using, and we'll have to get into this lending too because there's non-QM loans and QM loans, which are qualifying mortgages and non-qualifying mortgages. Um, <clears throat> so the down payment on this one had to be 25%. Dang. Right? Yeah. So he, he said, you know, you, it, on a second home, you can get it as low as 10% depending on it. Like if you do a qualifying mortgage, you can only, you can do it for only 10% down. Okay. Depending on your income, your credit score, your debt to income. Okay. Um, but with, with our situation, I haven't been a realtor for two years, so they can't even use my income. Jeez. Okay, so we're, we're trying to qualify for a regular loan on my wife's income. Your debt-to-income ratio has to be 49%. Well, we have, like, no debt but our house, okay? And Jamie's a school teacher, so it's not like she's making buku bucks, but... We almost qualified, <laughs> which we're like, oh, like we're we're at fifty three percent. Okay, so basically, you you throw out the qualifying mortgage, like we didn't qualify you for. Don't that. qualify, so now you're going for non qualifying, where they'll still yep. lend you, but it's probably going to cost you more money. Yep, it's usually a percent higher on the interest rate, and then um, like we have a two percent origination fee that we throw in, so closing costs are probably a little bit more too. Okay, because it's more of a risk for them to. Loan yeah. you money, right? You're but out of your debt to income, right? Issue, so right. So the the, the good thing about these loans, though, is I'm able to qualify for this house by myself without Jamie. It doesn't report to the credit bureau. It's just like its own separate thing. So you're doing that without her. Yeah. But why are you able to do that now? You don't haven't been a realtor for two years. So how is that working? Because these non-QM lenders. So they don't well, well and you. you don't have to tie Jamie's name to it as well. Right. So, well, so basically what, what you have to do, not a bad thing. I, I, I got a question on that. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. What you have to do for, with these non QM lenders is you have to run numbers like this and present it and say, here's what we're buying it. Here's what our payments are going to be. Uh, 
your payments, and here's what we think the rent's going to be. So using this formula, you're able to show all of that. Yeah, but also the lender that I'm using that I took the classes from, he walked me through this to double-check everything. So that's why I'm saying, like, you need a team. You can't, even as a real estate agent, I couldn't have done this by myself without him. And then he's he's not even the one funding the loan. He's reached out to these people that he knows that will actually do these non-QM loans. I was going to say, how in the heck, if I don't have any knowledge, am I finding this kind of a lender? You know, so this is where you call me. Jordan, yeah. (laughs) No, there are, there are, um, it's called an asset based loan. So it's different than like a regular mortgage, right? It's, it's almost like a business loan. Like but this is something that you feel comfortable now, or do you want to wait longer where you say, if people did call you, you could help with this stuff? No, I, I, I feel comfortable now helping them. I'm yeah. by no means an expert because this is my first one. Right. But, like, if you wanted to do it, I, like, this is a small list. I deleted most of my list because mm-hmm. I, I probably had 20 homes in here. So I ran numbers for a while. Yeah. But um, they went under contract and pending, so I just yeah. got rid of them, right? But, yeah, if, if somebody wanted to do an Airbnb in Utah, I would feel confident in being able to find them a good deal. Which or, is good because, I mean, dude, how many of our friends, family, people you just have passing conversation with, that's like everyone's, I feel like that's like everyone's retirement dream now. They're like, well, I want to own a few Airbnbs. Like everybody says it and has a plan or a, a plan to do it, but does not a plan to do it, wants to do it, but doesn't have a plan to yeah. on how. Like me, I've been talking about it for probably eight years, dude. And like I have I think no everybody, I think I've it. always wanted to do it too, but it's yeah. how. Yeah. And and taking this class made me realize, oh, wow, this is... And this is kind of like the same conversation that I'm having with people with franchising our business, right? It's like everyone... Like, I'm not blind to the fact that you can come in and put targets on a wall, right? But there's right. something to be said about the you what got you're buying where I'm going to give you a system where it's turnkey ready. So if they come to you, whether you do this for free or start offering or start getting paid for it, like, they're getting a system from you that... At least we know for sure it's worked for you, and it probably will work for others. Well, that's how right? McDonald's blew Instead up. Instead of just winging it. Like, I've done a lot of things in my life where I've just winged it. And, yeah, yeah it was, uh, a lot of it's worked out. But, man, it took probably two, three years longer than it should have. Yeah, I think there's value in franchising and, and learning from someone that's done it. Obviously, anyone can figure anything out with the Internet and Googling, yeah. but it's time yep. that you're most concerned about. And that's what it really is. Like, my Arizona one is a prime example, right? 45 days, they did over six figures. Dude, it took me a freaking year and a half to get yeah. to, to get to those levels. I mean, not six figure level, but to the numbers we're at now, like it took forever because yeah. we were learning the whole thing and like reinvesting and trying to figure it out and you know changing things up. And like I spent essentially, we've spent five years now to come up with this model, where now it's a copy and paste down in Arizona, and mm-hmm. they're seeing the success of it right now. So it's the same concept here. Like if people start reaching out to you and you're you know this is your first one, but by the time I'm sure you're, you already have the knowledge now with the first one. You know, you get two or three more under your belt, and people are going to be like, dude, how much I got to pay you to tell me how to do this, you know? And really, once you you have equity in a house, it funds your first deal, and then each deal just keeps funding itself. Right, that's kind of that Burr method that we always hear about. Like, I don't know it well enough to say it, but... Buy, buy, rehab, refinance, renovate, or renovate, refinance, repeat. It's like four hours or something. Yeah, but... So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty similar idea, but that there, there's so much to do because obviously like McDonald's, you, all the, you know, it's real estate, right? McDonald's 
he was a genius because he focused on real estate. He yeah. wanted everything on you a corner in a good location. Oh yeah. With the, uh, but then Michael he Keaton. he puts his systems in place too. Yeah. Along with that, so that's He's how. Mc, but you got you know Chick Fil A has a system now too where those are more profitable than McDonald's now. Yep. And they have um, less less stores. Yeah. Which is crazy. So you're on your fourth, fifth store now. What? No, we're on. That's number four right there in Arizona. Yeah, all three. Uh, Number three, and then I just met with some folks yesterday. I don't. I feel weird even saying it, but I met with some folks yesterday that I'm pretty excited about because they seem really interested in opening in Vegas. So we'll see. Sweet, (laughs) Vegas would be awesome. I I mean, they they they've never opened this kind of a venue before but neither did my Arizona folks and they're killing yeah. it. Yeah. Um well that's so part of the system yeah. is you have in play. It's like exactly. okay, here here we are ready to to do the work. We're ambitious enough. Yeah. We're eager to learn and then you've you've been doing this for yeah. 5 years, 6. Yeah, like literally dude, like I'm not trying to toot my horn but like it was copy and paste down in Arizona. They're going to work. Like yeah. they're ready to rock. Yeah. They don't have any any nervousness. So that's what I was trying to explain to my Vegas guys cuz these guys have businesses here that they're thriving in. Yeah. And my buddy, one of them is my buddy, and he called me. He said, hey, my tax guy says I need to spend some money. <laughs> I was like, well, I got a job for you. <laughs> so he's like, I want to go we'll talk about Vegas. I got you know some areas out there that I think would be great. Um, so anyways, we got Vegas excited. Vegas is a pop so place. It's, it's like the same thing Real as Arizona, estate. right? Yeah. It's, just, it's nuts. So we'll see. So anyways, and that's what I'm – anyways, I was just trying to link it to the same thing. Like yeah, having yeah. this knowledge and experience is, is awesome. So I'm excited that you got your first one. So let's jump back to it. So you, you so, figured out 25%. So are you comfortable talking the numbers on 716? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'll say yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, so you got, down payment needs to be 25%. So now, your down payment was 32000 if you were going to buy that one. Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah, so keep in <clears> mind, folks, it is hefty still, but that's part of your HELOC that you but get. But the great thing is is you always hear about using other people's money. Mm-hmm. This is You're not literally putting your own cash on the line. Except right? for, let's talk about this, though. So with that HELOC, there's where you're putting your own cash, right? Yeah. Because now your home payment's going to go up. Your living home payment is going to go up higher, right? Depend, there's cash, cash out refinance that you can do, which would put that $32,000 into your a new mortgage, which right. we did not do because our interest rate is 3.25. So would we, if we cash out refinance for 32,000, then our interest rate goes up to like 6%. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So the way that we're doing it is, um, the HELOC payment that I have, basically whatever you pull out, uh, my bank said you times that by 0.0125, and that's what your monthly payment is. So if you look at the HELOC, it says 403. That's your monthly payment. That would be my monthly so payment. you are adding an expense to yourself for $400. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's, that would be my monthly payment on just my down payment. And then you add in the mortgage on the 215000 yep. which is 1154 Right. Okay. Then you go to monthly payments. That adds the two together. So you're at one thousand five hundred fifty-seven if you were buying that one. Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred if you were buying roughly, that house, right? Okay. And then the monthly rent. This is how much I think that property can. Can so you say think like this? This formula is producing that number, right? The website that we use, AirDNA, is where I run these numbers, and that's the average Airbnb with the size and everything. It would it would rent for a certain amount per night, and then it adds in the occupancy too, which was most of them are like seventy to seventy five percent, right? So you take the so years in a day. We rented out seventy five percent. 
Sorry, go with what you were saying. Yeah, so so you, you add occupancy in, right? You're not going to be booked every single night of the year. It's like a hotel, okay? So this monthly rent is basically taking 365 days out of the year. It's going to be booked 75% of the time, but then also there's high and low season, right? Like mm-hmm. summer, you can charge more. Winter, you can't, or depending where your location is. So this is just an average on what we think it will pull in per month. Gotcha. Okay. So you're thinking so it should pull in twenty eight hundred dollars a month. Twenty eight hundred. Okay. Okay. Then expenses. Um, you know, you're gonna have someone clean it, you've gotta manage it, all these other things. I it's, feel like this number that you're about to say is super low for me. Well it's uh, Obviously, I haven't done this again, but from the guy that has done this, he said over all their properties, they usually figure about 10% of your monthly revenue that's coming in. Now, he he says some months that'll be higher, some it'll be lower because one month you might have to replace a water heater. And so so he basically says pull 10% out and save it. It's just like, you know, pay yourself first, your own little savings account, right? So then we take... The monthly rent minus expenses, and you're at the you see the minus expenses column. Yep. You're at twenty five fifty six. Okay, um, so that leaves us. If you go over to the the revenue, you're making a, roughly a thousand bucks a month. That's awesome. Okay, for something that is out of state, you're hiring someone else to to clean and operate, right? Yep. And then you're using Airbnb to book and yeah. VRBO to book. Yeah. So there's still so, there's still work that you'll have to do. Right. Mainly the the most work not, that we're gonna we're thinking of is like we got to go back out there and furnish it and get it ready to go. Get pictures, yeah. market it, and then once it's up and running, then you can kind of, you know, the bookings are easier. Yeah. We've got we've got. There's, there's always something like I'm I'm a firm believer in that the the word passive income doesn't exist like doesn't really exists like it's always going to take something yeah but it might only take a couple hours a week after you get it all i done. think the smarter you become and educate yourself there are different ways to get passive income yeah. you know and and i think the way to really get passive income is get a system hire people and yeah. make and, well, that's and what I was telling pay them to do the work for you yeah and that's what i was telling my vegas guy yesterday because they were like hey what's what what's with the what comes with the expense of buying from you guys and what can we expect and all this stuff and we, I went through the whole list but the biggest thing was is like they want to stay in Utah they don't want to operate and I'm like dude I can get it running itself like you don't need to be yeah. here like I can get that too I can get yeah. that taken care of for you and you'll still make great money off of it well and and, and there's a big aspect I've talked with it, other business owners like especially when you start your own business and maybe it's not not a a franchise, you've probably experienced this, like letting go and trusting other people to run it correctly. Yeah. Because a lot of times entrepreneurs are, are not like control freaks, but like want to be in control just because, I don't know, feeling busy and... Oh, it's 100%. Dude. Like I, that was my biggest hurdle. Like literally two, two years that took me to learn that. Like get out of the stores, work on the business, not in the business Yeah. to grow it and make it better. Obviously, I still come in here. I still work shifts every now and again, make sure everything's operating. But my, dude, my team is killer and they're doing an awesome job. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to like relay to my Arizona folks because they're in that position right now. Like they don't want to leave it. They're working it like crazy, but they want to open up two more. Well, and, and I like, think when well, you're not getting to two more until you get a GM in there and you put some mm-hmm. trust in somebody and yeah. you give them the freedom to do a good job and then boom you're on to your next one i think when you hit that point it also it also invigorates your employees and who's working for you because yeah. it's like 
you've been micromanaged or have bosses that are always on top of you. And it's yeah. like, if you give that trust to somebody, they take ownership in it and pride in it as well. Yep. And, and, you know, when you have trust back and forth, that's what really creates like a, I, I want to say magical, but like a, I don't know the right words. No, dude, I've, le- I've been, I get what you're saying. Cause like when I worked for Budweiser, this was the same G, the same CEO, right? Same guy. And, he led, I don't want, hopefully this doesn't, he doesn't get mad if he ever hears this. Uh, <laughs> in my opinion, he led the first couple of years I was there by fear. Like it was fear yeah, that yeah. you were screwed, that you were going to lose your job. I think that's like, most employees. And so it was like nerve wracking all the time. And you had this like kind of intense, like I'm going to get in trouble type mentality. But then like something switched, dude, like midway. He definitely still had the aspect of like, hey, you mess around, you're going to lose your job, which anyone should have that. But dude, like started giving me so much more freedom and I feel like my sales numbers were through the roof when, yeah. was, when that started to happen. Cause like, I remember he was like, I remember going into his office and I was like, Hey, can I, can I take off an hour in the middle of the day to go to the gym? And thinking he was going to like yell me out, dude. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then I saw him at the gym every time. And I was like, <laughs> this is weird, dude. And like, but I felt so much better. Like I was able to, I was like, I asked him if I could start my day around like eight 30 instead of freaking six in the morning. Yeah. Get that extra two hours of sleep. I was way better off. Then at one o'clock in the afternoon, I'd hit the gym and then I'd work till five. Yeah. Right. And there was no argument there and my numbers were through the roof. And then, but I still, and like it, I still had the respect for him and still definitely had the fear. Like I don't want to lose my job when I was doing it, but I don't know. I just think what, what you were saying earlier, like you definitely still have to keep a discipline, but yeah, giving freedom to some folks, dude, you'll see a big difference. Well, and I think a lot of employees are probably afraid to ask. I think, I think things are switching now with employment shortage and like bosses are having to change and cater to employees more. But Gary, Gary V always talks about like, he, he always says like bosses drive me insane because they're like entitled to, it's like, you don't own that person. They're working for you. And like most of the people like, dude, I'm only 30, dude. So a lot of folks that I hire are are close to my age or just, you know, early twenties. I do have some teenagers. Um, but I just feel like this generation is realizing after COVID especially, and at least I have realized after COVID especially is mental health is everything, dude. Like yeah. we've ignored that for a hundred years in, in America. <laughs> yeah. And like the fact like we, that people are starting to pay attention to it. And I've tried to make sure that my staff, you know, have a few days off every week, aren't overworked, you know, doing the best they can. I'm giving them all the tools they need. And it's just, everyone's like the comment is always everyone telling me they love their job. Now I could be completely yeah. blind, but it seems well, like you got to take people for their good, word. So. Yeah, yeah, I take it for their word, and it, it seems like it's working, and they're doing great, and I'm, I'm excited about it. So, yeah. Anyway, so, dude, so, okay. So, if you go to this ratio. Yeah, so you got a ratio uh, of, like, It's the one, G, good GB, or GB, good de- GB ratio, good, ba- good deal, bad deal, yeah. right? So, the higher you get, the better the deal is. Um, so, yours is 1.64, so that's a higher ratio yeah. on that deal if you were to close out. So, basically, he said anything... Um, with you got to factor in your gaining equity on the home too now because yeah so it factors in or this this number doesn't factor in the equity that you're going to be gaining as well right it's it's just basically factoring in <clears throat> whether this is going to be profitable for you month to month so you could see why I was so excited about that little one because it's one point six four. And what was the minimum need to be? That you're, it you're it technically needs to be one. Okay. He said he's done deals that are below one. Yeah. He says, like, if you want to find, like, a really streaming deal, it should be 1.8. Like, if it's in the 1.8 to 2, then it's really awesome, which I had properties that I had 
I had a lot of them above 1.7, right? But I just wasn't ready to like move on it, which I wish I would have because the interest rates were lower back then too is probably why the ratios are different, right? So the, the interest rates on my mortgage and my, I don't know about my HELOC, but my mortgage are definitely higher. Okay, so the, if you go down to the deal that we're closing on, we're at a 1.3. Okay, so Not bad. if you see the revenue that we'll be bringing in, yeah, um, it'll be about 5,300 a month. It's more revenue a month. Wait, hold on. I'm looking at revenue. Yeah. So this isn't monthly. This is monthly rent. So on oh, average, what you're going to bring in monthly rent wise is yeah. 5,300. Yeah, but your revenue is the yeah. So we'll be after expenses and everything. We'll be at about. 1200 okay nice but so, this one took considerably more to get it's a higher price and more of a down payment right so so if you look at the revenue and the ratio though it, it doesn't directly correlate because we're okay. going to be making about 200 dollars more on this property yep but it, the ratio is a little lower yeah so like if so people that are listening that are thinking about this all i'm saying with those numbers is that it it's going to seem riskier but the reward's going to be bigger Riskier as in the amount of money you're going to down pay and the size of the home that you're buying and the price of the home. But yeah, and it probably has a better compared looking at the two picture wise too. Like you have much more chance of making of getting more bookings out of the one you're closing on. Yeah. And and it also this isn't factoring into like what the house could appreciate to because it also it it also depends on what you get the house under contract for and what you purchase it for. Um, You know, that that smaller house could have appreciated more quickly yep. than the other one yep for whatever reason i think we got a screaming deal oh yeah i think it's a good deal i'm just telling people like it's it definitely is more but no but yeah. like i i think we got a better deal on the house we're under contract because we got it for below not below asking price but basically right at asking price dude and it's i mean it's freaking gorgeous right the, the other house we house. had to pay 20 what we we're going to pay 25,000 over asking price. Yeah, which is yeah. So if you can get your deal at asking price or below or find an off market deal, that's that's another reason to work with a realtor because you can get them under contract faster or they hear about other deals that aren't maybe on the market yet that you can get. So this one, the story on this one that we got, we were there in Oregon, backed out of the other house. We were just looking on Redfin. It came on. I texted my realtor. I said, we want to go see this tomorrow morning. And I already knew before we saw it, I was going to put an offer in. Yeah. So we saw it. And when I got there, it was actually better than the pictures. So I felt even better. So we should talk on that real quick. So you knew before you even walked it, you were going to put an offer. So... How, yeah. how do you how are you finding that confidence? Like me, I look at the market and I'm like, I'm not going to offer on it until I see it. But you can't well, wait that long. So well, because because I've looked at an, I I look at houses for yeah. a living. <laughs> but if you put I, in an offer and they accept it, but you really didn't want that house, what's your options? Are you you, you can back, back out? Right out? It, it depends on the offer you mind? put. Right, uh, most of them have like due diligence, which is seven days. You can back out at any for any reason. Okay, so see, like the I other one, that, so that's good. Yeah, the other one we backed out because because like you were texting me sweet deals when I was in Arizona, and I was like, I mm-hmm. dude, I gotta see this. Like I can't. Yeah. But like no, like that's why I want to know. Like if you can get out of it, then yeah, throw an offer in. We'll make it work. Let's well, go look at it. And like there's certain times you can do non-refundable after due diligence or after appraisal. On this one, I was even willing. to I told her, I said, if we need to get this, throw in five hundred dollars non-refundable upon acceptance. Nice. Okay. Right. So if you throw money in like that, then 
you can still back out, but you lose 500, 1,000, so whatever. So this out. You loved this. You wanted this one. You called the realtor and said, I want to see it the next day. I'm offering this amount of money, and I'm putting $500 on the table even if I don't get it. Yeah, and, and basically they said, I don't think you'll need to do that. So but the market... You, you just weren't... Well, the market in Utah is just different than Oregon. So that's why it's always good to get a realtor that specializes in the local market because each market is different on how you win offers. When I told her... You know, most houses here, you're trying to, most, most people want non-refundable money to accept your offer. Right. And she's like, we don't do that here. And we're just like, okay. Why do you think it's more of a bloodbath here than Oregon? Like, I feel like here, man, it's more, it's a, more it's, jobs. It's tough. I think, some, I think the economy here is stronger and, um, there's more houses to choose from. Well, and honestly, well, go ahead. there's just more, there's more people it's a small town. So I think this isn't. You know, if you were to live here full time, I don't think there's a ton of jobs where people are like fighting over. Obviously, they they have low inventory too. So, basically, we put the offer in. I said, let's get this under contract tonight. Like, I didn't want to wait for the weekend. I think it was a Thursday night. Yeah. And usually the weekend, that's when everybody starts looking. And so, um, yeah, we weren't able to get it under that night. But she said, I feel pretty confident. And literally the next morning like 8 a.m. She's like, we, we got it. Nice. Right. So, um, but, but she said, she called me that morning and said, how serious are you guys? I said, we're serious. She's like, cause they have four other showings, but they're going to cancel and accept your offer. So we got it for 2000 over asking. Nice. It's probably worth 20,000 more than what we got it, it looks for. Looks like it. That's for is sure. my guess yeah. with the comps that I ran. And then, um, you know, they had four other people come to look at it, which it could, we avoided a bidding war. So that's a huge part of, of the process is buying the house. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then, and then all this other stuff comes after now you, now we got to furnish it. So that's going to be another, I don't know, 20 grand at least. And it's got, it's got a big old lawn. I mean, you got some yard work ahead of you that's going to have to be upkept and yeah. So, so these numbers that we run are, basically factoring in most of that obviously it doesn't factor in every little detail like you you need to work with a team that has education what you're doing because even me as a realtor i ran it past my lender and that's been buying these like just what do you think he's like yeah you got a good project right so it gives you more confidence and whether you're working with me or another realtor it's important to work with them and then a lender and have multiple eyes on this on your deal because i mean it's a it's a big investment but once you start rolling dude it's like yeah, i'm excited to see once you get two three more it's fun how much it's gonna be yeah so then the, the non-qm loan um basically we're at like a 6.75 percent had we gone a traditional one it would have been <clears throat> my lender was saying like a, a little bit above six so it wasn't a huge difference so you know Oh, and we never we didn't hit back on the HELOC. So I found another HELOC through another bank that can do three and a half percent instead of four and a half percent. Nice. And they'll, my other HELOC was for only for five years. Well, the other one will do twenty years, which makes oh, your so monthly payments. payment lower. So these numbers that I ran that are in here, mm-hmm. um, the HELOC will probably if I can get. If I can get this HELOC worked out, we'll probably be cut in half. Dude. So yeah. we'll probably be making another three to five hundred dollars per month if nice. if that all works out. Nice. But the beauty in this is you don't 
essentially people think that you need all this cash saved up in order to do this. But if you use your your equity and the credit correctly and smart. And you call Jordan. Right? Yeah, it, it's still a risk, but it's a smart calculated risk. Yeah. And this is how wealthy people do it. Yeah. And this is how they get so many properties. And, and the, the other podcast I sent you, he explains, I wish we could get into this more because he explains how you can literally write off each down payment each time you do taxes and basically get a free down payment. Hmm. Well, that's so sweet. it's, I don't know how it works. I've listened to the podcast twice yeah. and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. And I scheduled a call with this CPA cause I want to, I want to know. Yeah. Right. Cause he's like, this is how you do it. This is how they do it. There's tax codes. There's 8,700 pages in the, in the tax code book. He said 99% of that is to benefit you, but nobody reads it. No one's going to read 8,700 pages yeah. of yep. law, but there's stuff that people found that works. And so you, you have to align yourself. Obviously I'm not going to go read through 8,700 pages of law. But dude, imagine if you got your HELOC written off. I mean, yeah. Dude. So that's the goal is I'm going to talk to him and say, Hey, how, how do I need to structure this under my LLC? Or do I need to purchase it under a, a LLC name or my personal name? And you can do that afterwards as well, I found out. But yeah, how do, how do I write off my down payment so that next year, the same time, I can go buy another one? Yeah. So it's there's that's exciting, yeah. and I think it's going to be exciting for our listeners because I dude, I know so many people, and I'm included, where I'm like, I just want to know how you did the first one, man. Like, just walk me through yeah. the first one, and so people listening, like, we'll probably schedule more uh, podcasts with just you and I, and well, and let's it's just let's let's touch base on it. It's exciting for me as it's a awesome. realtor too, because then it opens this whole other other field or or a niche that most realtors probably don't know about yeah and it it makes me excited to help someone else do that because this this is dude this is life-changing if you can add properties that's how most millionaires are made yeah you know they they add properties over time and then that's basically their retirement and so that's how a lot of folks retire that's yeah like, it's how my grandpa they pay it all off in 30 years yeah. and they end up being 60 and they sell it all and or they just use that income still yeah my grandpa's still retired and he still owns like three properties and i was like well you know he has people coming to him offering him a bunch of money to buy he's like i don't need it i don't need the money yeah. i'm just hanging on to it yeah because he's getting a monthly payment of you know two grand a month or something yeah. like that per household so, so per it's, house so. it's it's really exciting it's a lot of brain work and it can be exhausting just thinking about it all the time well and um, think about the opportunity you're going to have after you do a few of these and then all of a sudden it's like hey jordan can i buy your package yeah you know <laughs> can I buy the uh 500 teach me how dirty. to do it package <laughs> ah, sounds dirty uh no Get your but mind out of the gutter <laughs> but i mean obviously we're just under contract like we haven't even closed on the house yeah so there's there's gonna be stuff yeah. there's gonna be some learning curve we don't expect or yeah. expenses so it'll It'll I'm be sure interesting. there's a tiny, there might be some tiny horror stories in, in here that we'll hear, but at the same yeah. time, I think you'll, I'm work. sure I know you have the, the ambition to work through it all and make it work. If, if that were to even happen, I'm not wishing bad luck on you, but no, I'm sure I'll come in on yeah. a, on yeah. a podcast episode and, and you'll be, be like, like, dude, dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> freaking renters, yeah, no, uh, I was watching a guy on YouTube. He says, he said, they have no smoking policy in all their Airbnbs. Well, they had a fabric couch and a guy put a cigarette burn in the couch. So they had to cut out a piece of the fabric on the back of the couch to patch it. 
and then patch the back of the couch. And it's like just stuff like that. It's like, dude, dude, the fact. Why are you smoking? And then why? How do you smoke on the couch? And then how do you leave your yeah. your cigarette on the couch and let it burn it? I'm with you on all that. But I'm more intrigued by the, the fact that the guy patched his couch. <laughs> like, in the world of I, yeah. America, that'd be like, throw it out, buy a new one. And he was like, nope, I'm going to fix this yeah. and patch it. And that's, well, that's pretty impressive. it depends on the couch, too. Right, he right. says you've got to take these things into factor because it's like, you know, we, we've now moved to a different couch that is easier to replace. We've bought all these couches. So if something goes wrong and breaks, we can just replace the couch, like sections of yeah. the couch. Yep. But you that's know, so if it's, smart. Dude. If that's it's one huge couch and you get one cigarette burn and then have to throw the whole couch, I mean that yeah. could be a three thousand dollar couch. Yeah, that's yeah, and because that's one guy didn't follow the rules, you, you, now you got to pay three grand. So yeah, and that's there's your monthly profit right yeah. there, just out the window. Yeah, and then some. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So how close are you? Let's talk about your location then, real quick. How close are you to the ocean from here? So if people want to oh, rent Jordan, ten minutes. Nice to say, yeah, they maybe want to rent your spot. And you're in what part of Oregon? Uh, so it's Reedsport. It's just it's between Florence and Coos Bay. We were, Which is more southern, right? Yes, it's like it's it's like directly west of Eugene, nice. which okay. is where the Oregon Ducks play. Right. So if you want to go to like an Oregon Ducks game, it's like an hour and a half. It, it's a beautiful drive. There's tons of elk, oh, dude, deer, fishing. Yeah. There's lakes. There's dunes. The huge, the biggest yeah. dunes. So that's probably where most of our rentals will come from are yeah. people that come to are you pretty close to those dunes? dunes yeah so like so the beach at your house and the, then they just take the beach off. and the dunes are 10 minutes away really yeah yeah i'm gonna use your house <laughs> yeah and uh so then you got coos bay you've got like a boardwalk you've got great seafood everywhere florence is like a nicer place that's that's also um got like grocery stores but there's just and then, it, you know, there's lighthouses. There's a, a lighthouse maybe 30 minutes away, our favorite beach, which is um, Hasita Beach Lighthouse. Yeah. It's, it's right awesome. So I it's going to be used a lot by yourself, too, then. Yeah, when we you, came home Monday, family. I felt like I had a hangover because I wanted to be back in Oregon, right? I was yeah. just like, it's like that feeling when you have to go to work on Monday. Yeah, it's like, you get, well, that's it's how it is on any vacation I come home from. I'm like, man. Yeah, so know, there's, there's just wrong, so though. much to do, and... To be quite honest, we've been there, I think that's our fifth time. Like, we don't even know everything to do. My uncle's been there, he goes four or five times a year. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I could I, I could push back a little bit on you. I can argue that Utah has all that to offer and then some, not the ocean, but. No, yeah, so I, think, so. I, th- I think I, I told my wife, because we love Hawaii, I love Utah, she loves California. And I said, I think this is like the perfect Oregon is like. Hawaii, Utah, California kind of mix because you got the beach, but you still got the mountains. Yeah, we've been and dude. like the cold and the fog and yeah. the and the pine trees. You've got the lakes. Obviously, it's not Hawaii because the water isn't warm. Right. But I mean, it's but the beaches are amazing, dude. It's it's a That's magical the same thing place. With my wife and I. She loves Hawaii. She loves summery places that are super warm. She always wants to be on a beach. Yeah, and I love mountain anything. Yeah, yeah. And so let's same you, compromise. We always go to Oregon. Would love. Yeah, you, I'm, that's where we've been a million times. Like it's hoodie weather weather most of it's the time. Just, that's the best weather right there. Yeah, and I know, dude. Utah's moving away. We're getting so freaking warm lately. Yeah, you know, it's like snow I, today. But you, even coming back to home to Utah, though, like our mountains are beautiful, but they're just different. Like yeah. it's it's the best word is more lush it's just green much more green and the forests are so thick dude like you can't even i know you got to go pretty high up like you went to us to get that kind of green that like those pines well coming over coming over one of the hi brother hello coming over one of the passes it was snowing so they they still get snow but it's it's amazing place so 
Yeah, we'll have to take you guys out there. We're all over that. I mean, there's plenty of room. (laughs) We're all over that idea, bro. Let me know when you're ready. Okay, if you guys have questions, uh, I'm going to try and throw all the links to all this stuff. Uh, If you're looking for uh, an Airbnb opportunity, I've got connections to help you and would love to share the knowledge that I've learned from these other people. So reach out to us. And uh, if you want to open a franchise with Braden, too, yeah. maybe we could do an Airbnb and a social it. acts yeah, definitely like right next to each other. If you've been chomping at the bit to open your own business but not quite sure what to do, I'm your guy to call because i got a business for you that will make you a good living, and you'll enjoy it, and it's fun. And we can yeah. put one in any major city or any any ski town we want. So Yeah, and if you got any other cool business ideas, we're all, we're yeah. all about those, too. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, everybody.